Automated Podcast. Welcome to Automated. I'm your host, Mark Verbenkov, and in this weekly podcast, we will be exploring the impact of emerging technology on jobs, society, as well as us, with business and technology leaders, researchers, and independent professionals across the world. So I think one of the really interesting things when we're talking about artificial intelligence that has become actually quite apparent in a number of other podcast episodes is its diversity of application. So for those of us following this very impressive technology, it really does seem that there is no place where AI cannot be used. Nonetheless, I was both surprised and intrigued when I came across X2AI and their TESS chatbot, which essentially allows people to have conversations with an AI that is specifically designed for mental health support. So if you're curious at all about how this is possible, what kind of benefits that an AI therapist can bring to people, and, of course, the ultimate question of whether we will have human therapists in the future or not, then I think this episode is absolutely for you. So my guest to talk about the AI chatbot Tess is Michael Rouse. He is the founder and CEO of X2AI. So as a former patient and longtime peer support counselor, Michael was compelled to start X2AI, which has so far provided access to 29 million people and has de-escalated over 8,000 suicides. So Michael also leads the X2 Foundation, a nonprofit aiding underserved communities by providing free access to X2's chatbot technology. Michael and his team at X2 believe that mental health care should be equitable and available to everyone, regardless of geographic location or income level. And we will be discussing the foundation a little bit later in the podcast. But if you are a nonprofit and you're interested in partnering with them, you can find more information at x2ai.com impact. And I'll have all the links, of course, as usual, up in the show notes. Great. Well, Michael, thank you very much for coming on to the Automated Podcast. It's great to have you here today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to discussing the specific technology that we're looking into. I came across it about a year ago. So thanks again for coming on to the podcast. It's great. Yeah, certainly. My pleasure. Always interesting to talk about the developments in this field. And um, it's hard to keep track of how much is changing my day to day. Awesome. Love to hear it. Uh, so as, as I mentioned right before, if we could just get a little bit of your kind of personal interest as to how you got into this interesting technology, uh, into the work that you do. Uh, it's always the way that I like to start the podcast to give a little bit more of a personal touch to, uh, to the guests um, introduction to the audience. Certainly. Yeah. So it's very personal for me. Uh, so now we're going to go into my personal life story <laughs> almost because it started out with a problem. Um, as, as many of these developments or startups start out, like you start with a problem. And mm -hmm, my mm -hmm. problem was that I myself was um, in therapy um, in my teenage years. And to me, I, I lived in the Netherlands back then and um, access to care was for free. It was mm -hmm. almost instant. There were no wait lists, nothing. I had a tremendous good experience. I felt so much better afterwards. And I kind of started preaching the same things that my right, therapist right. had told me to my friends and family. Um, and then every time I heard them having issues, I would try to help them. And then later in the workplace, same thing. So I basically became like a peer support counselor. And um, what I started realizing was that so many people have things that they need help with, but mm. they wouldn't really want to go to a therapist because it's so much work. Uh, okay. Because over the years, there's almost wait lists everywhere. And um, then especially here in the United States, 
where I moved to, like there's very high costs, there's co-pays you need to pay. And so there, there's just, it's so hard to find someone even who has time for you. <laughs> um, so there's like a huge problem getting access. And I was realizing that my peer support work was really helpful to a lot of people. Uh, but at the same time, I always try to nudge them towards like, okay, now you need to go and either practice these things on your own, or it's time for you to, to talk to a therapist. And um, I realized that there's so many more people who need that support, but mm. just don't get it. And that's when I felt myself like, okay, like I'm doing sort of a bad job because I should be helping more people. How can I do that? And right. time, there were the first kind of things coming out with AI. There was Watson and um, some of the language models were slowly getting better. And um, so that's when we thought like, well, maybe we can simulate part of these conversations because mm. what I had seen in a lot of these conversations is there's a lot of patterns um, in how I was helping people. And so I tried like, okay, let's try to make a system that can partially simulate these conversations and maybe it's got to be helpful. Very interesting. Yeah. When I was uh, looking at your website and of course, some of the other uh, applications that are out there, one of the things that I, I guess I first wanted to ask, like, what exactly is this, right? So we're talking of course about AI chatbots for therapy, but uh, maybe we can just immediately dive into like uh, your your chatbot is called Tess. And I think that for the audience, it would be a really good place to start to just talk about the technology itself. Because I think there's so many different uh, paths and avenues that we can go down that I think that this is a kind of a solid place to start to for the audience to kind of understand what exactly it is that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So we tried to keep it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. So um, we we just made a phone number that people can send a text message to. And in that way, the first text message might be something like, hi. And then the reply that comes back from the, from the mental health chatbot from Tess is, um, hi there, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Tess. Um, I'm a mental health chatbot um, designed by psychologists um, and I'm here to help you. Are you ready to get started? Question mark. And then the person says yes. And then like that, the conversation kind of unfolds. We also present privacy policy because it's very important that people know exactly what happens with their data and that their data is safe and secure. Um, and then we slowly get into like, okay, so do you currently have something you're very stressed out about um, or feeling bad about? Um, then we can go that path and start talking about that. Or are you just coming here more from a perspective of, I have some things I might want to talk about at some point, mm. but let's see where we can start. Like an exploration. Way, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that way we kind of go down different routes and yeah, we, we try to be as helpful as possible. And if, if the topic is like, well, I'm super stressed out. Um, I'm at my job right now and um, people are getting fired. I don't know what to do. Then we would say, okay, um, thank you for sharing this with me. And we might do some reflection of like, just like, a coach would do like, oh, well, I'm hearing that things are really stressful on your end because of these things happening. Maybe it would be a good idea to start off um, to get rid of some of that acute stress. Maybe mm -hmm. we start off with a breathing exercise. And if that helped, then great. Um, if it didn't help, then we try something else. And um, at any point, is there a human on the other end or is this entire conversation done with this AI chatbot? The entire conversation is done by the chatbot. Mm -hmm. At any point when it's needed, there is a human involved. Okay. Okay. So if there's anything about crisis, if we see any warning signs, any red flags, any early signs, um, then we will make sure that a crisis counselor gets involved. 
Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, as a really practical example, if, if you would say, um, I want to hurt myself, then literally an alert goes out to the crisis center and in under one minute, um, mm. a crisis counselor calls um, or takes over the conversation, um, depending on the arrangements with, with the customer or with that particular project. Right, right. And um, I mean, we've talked about uh, artificial intelligence in, in the different kind of applications in other episodes on the, on the podcast, but uh, can you maybe discuss a little bit as to how the, the AI was trained? Because I think that's always quite interesting for people to, to hear about. Yeah, yeah. And when I, when I started the company, I, I thought it was going to be easy. There was going to be data sets everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> and um, originally, I, I come from a, a research university. So I was like, oh, I'll just work, walk to that university research department, talk to the psychologists and be like, hey, where's the data? <laughs> um, but obviously, the data is not there. Um, and even especially at the time, like the, the, the deep learning algorithms, like um, wouldn't even have been good enough to really use that um, in a very helpful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, in that way, we just really had to start from the ground up to say like, okay, let's make a very simple system first that can just like really do psychoeducation, mm-hmm. as we call it. So like a breathing exercise is a simple explanation of how to do a breathing exercise. Um, really like it's a summary of a book sort of. Um, so, so in that way, we just started very simple. And then the beauty is like the more people are chatting, the more people are talking, the more times um, psychologists or counselors are taking over conversations, et cetera. Mm. Um, we, the, the algorithm learns and we make sure that um, it improves. And at the same time, a big part of this is um, keeping AI on a leash, um, okay. as, as I coined the term, <laughs> um, where it's very important, um, like in a customer support setting, where you're, you're talking about um, a user manual or um, how to change your order, um, there it might be fine to do a lot of automated learning and like um, kind of let things automatically improve. Yeah. Um, for us, it's really important to sort of version management. So each time there's a new version, we really make sure that we really double check that nothing strange got into the code or nothing strange got into the model. Um, so that we don't get something where um, what has happened with like the early chatbots, um, like the one from Microsoft that they did um, in uh, Asia, mm-hmm. where large groups of people were chatting with that chatbot, and then they managed to manipulate it in a way to then start saying um, negative things. That's good. Let's yeah, I, I, I remember <laughs> the example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, v- very interesting. Yeah, the, um, one of the reasons that I that I ask is it's also a little bit connected to to what you were saying before about you know how it's how it's leashed, right? So, I've asked a couple people that have actually gone like some friends and some uh, some acquaintances that have gone through uh, therapy or or are currently in counseling about their initial thoughts about even conversing for the first time with an AI uh, mental health chatbot. And I got some, I got some mixed um, responses. So I'm, you know, I'm certain that you have also experienced this with uh, people that are uh, uptaking it and starting to use it. There might be, I mean, maybe not necessarily a negative connotation about artificial intelligence, but people are, are maybe a little bit wary of AI. So I'm really happy to hear that there's kind of a, uh, you know, AI on a leash, uh, because I think a lot of people might be a little bit like, oh, I'm unsure if talking to a, a computer, if you will, um, would actually 
bring about those kind of positive benefits that I will get into later. Um, have you encountered this kind of reluctance from a number of users? And if you have, like, how do you deal with that? Because I think that's quite interesting for anybody that might be listening to um, thinking about, you know, getting involved with uh, chatting with an AI. Yeah, now it's a very real concern. And that's what we saw back in the 60s uh, mm -hmm. with Eliza um, at MIT, where they had a psychotherapist. Right, uh, right. Um, and so that went even deeper down into like people's uh, personal past and even more personal. Um, and yeah, that, that hit the he headlines because it was so controversial and was so like um, scary. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we try to make it um, as clear upfront as possible to say like, well, I am a chatbot mm -hmm. um, and um, here is my privacy policy. So you know exactly what happens to your data. And in, in general, the work we have done is we have made sure that really from a, a healthcare perspective, um, basically the, the summary is um, the, the conversations with the chatbot are as secure as your doctor's notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's um, especially at, with all the kind of like news about you know Facebook over the last couple of years, uh, the privacy issue has grown more and more, uh, I guess, stressed. <laughs> so I'm really happy to hear that uh, that privacy is, of course, very important uh, to your company as well as to, to the chatbot, uh, especially as people kind of have maybe this hesitancy to talk to computers or, you know, unsure um, experience with talking to, to computers in that sense. Maybe we could touch on a little bit more about the specific aspects of tests or, or the user base of tests. So um, I was looking up on the website that you have, you know, uh, numerous users, and maybe for some of the uh, audience that might think that, you know, it's not actually used by that many people, you could touch on the actual uh, number of users that uh, that test is being used by. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we've, we've been at this for a while. So at the <laughs> beginning, it, it started small, because you start small, then you can really contain the quality and make sure everything is safe. And that was the most important thing to get across at the start. So in the beginning, the, the numbers we looked at per project or per customer were maybe in the, in the hundreds, and then later was in the tens of thousands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then now the exciting thing is like with, with the customers, we're, we're talking about like, oh, for, for your engagement or your, your project, we're already seeing hundreds of thousands of people chatting or hundreds of thousands of people chatting. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been a very exciting evolution and also with regards to messages, um, which is kind of another amplifier because you might think like, well, you might have that many people chatting, but if you, if they're all exchanging 10 messages and that's still nothing, um, yeah. the exciting thing is that also <laughs> we're talking about millions of messages. Um, and yeah, it's also just so exciting. We have these real time dashboards for our customers where they can, uh, yeah, really, really see real time how many people are chatting. And um, yeah, one one example um, of that is, um, is this project with the Deepak Chopra Foundation where um, their publication in, in the, the newspaper said 89,000 people helped. And um, I, was, I was just recently checking their dashboard and they're now already at double that amount of help provided. So this is really scaling up uh, rather quickly. Um, do you also see within, say, five years or so that the number of people will double, triple, you know, quadruple? Uh... Yeah, no, and that's super exciting. Like also with regards to languages, um, when mm. we started, we, we were actually supporting um, Arabic and, um, and English 
to, to begin with because we were helping Syrian refugees. Okay. Um, and um, then later it was like, okay, that's like very difficult to keep multiple languages maintained. But nowadays with like um, translation services becoming so much better, um, it's actually easier to do. So, so nowadays we're offering it in English, Spanish, Dutch, and Arabic. Okay. Um, and yeah, really what we often hear now with our customers and new, new customers that we talk to is they say, you're kind of the best kept secret uh, that nobody knows about. And that's, that's, that's really the stage that we're at, that we've done all of the hard work and labor to do all the research, to show that it's safe, to slowly mm -hmm. scale things mm -hmm. up, to, to scale it up more and more. And that now really we're getting close to the point where we can say like, hey, we can like really grow super fast, uh, but we want to do it in a diligent way. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm excited for the future. Yeah, that, that's that's super interesting. Um, and and uh, maybe I should have asked this more at the beginning, but like, what kind of depth does does Tess go down? So you were talking about like psychoanalysis is a little bit off the table here, but um, just curious as to like what kind of depth the kind of uh, support that the uh, AI chatbot gives. Yeah, so we actually want to make sure that, like, what happens if if there's um, a very good coach or a very good psychologist? Mm -hmm. They basically have used whatever they've learned throughout their career and during their education, but also continued education, they kind of use that mixed bag of different approaches to try mm. and figure out like what's really going to help this person. Um, so really, we, we follow that same principle. And if people want to have very practical advice, like really like psychoeducation type or like um, sort of directive of like, I'm very stressed, what do I do? Mm. Well, you do reading exercise. Mm. Let's see if that helps usually helps 90% of people. So why wouldn't it help you? Um, so that's like very directive, very simple. But then there's also conversations we make way more open-ended. And then it almost just becomes like, you get out of it what you put in. Mm -hmm. So if you yourself are chatting with it and you're really giving very serious answers, you're really truthfully answering what, why you think certain things have happened in your life, what like you think about the question, like there might be a question saying like, okay, um, um, with, re with regards to different types of personalities, like, okay, you, you, your personality is that you get stressed kind of fast. Um, okay, can you think of anything like maybe within your, your childhood or like in your past that might have mm -hmm. kind of enforced this pattern of getting stressed quickly? And then if you really think about that, you might say like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess like, my parents, like they got stressed pretty fast all the time. I guess that they had a big influence on me. Okay, let me give that as an answer. And if you give that as an answer, then we have something to work with and then we can go deeper further. Um, but if someone just says like, no idea, then then we'll stay at the surface. Yeah, yeah. So so in a sense, it is kind of like talking with a human, right? You're able to to go down deeper as depending on the kind of answers that, that you give. Uh, to the to the chatbot which is quite interesting it's not just um yeah query some you know uh as you as you were saying before some articles uh you know breathe properly and you know just just don't stress <laughs> it, yeah. it definitely do, does go a little bit deeper um very interesting so um one of the things that I, I was definitely interested in asking you is about the the kind of success cases right the the benefit that's actually brought um to people to the people that are that are using this uh, again, the um, friends that I asked were maybe a little bit hesitant or unsure that there would be actual benefit 
um, experienced by, you know, you said a couple hundred thousand users um, by anybody if you're actually talking to an AI. But I think that this is more to do with how people are unsure about actual AI uh, proficiency, right? Like we all understand that AI is quite powerful, but I still think many people are unsure as to just how powerful it is. So if you could touch on, yeah, the benefits that are experienced by by some of the people that are actually using uh, tests. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost on the spot kind of think of an analogy where um, if you get a gym membership, hmm. you are paying money to go to the gym, um, but you're probably not going to get much out of it if you just stay at home on the couch. Right. Uh, if you show up and you go to the gym every single day or every other day and you have a regiment and an exact schedule, etc., and you're following the right procedures, yes, then you're going to get a lot out of it. And the difference I have seen is people have different options. So some people who are very well off, like they don't even have to be on the wait list. They can just pay enough money out of pocket, like $300 and get an appointment with a therapist next week. And if you have that ability and if, if that money doesn't mean much to you and if it's easy to do that, then that is the right thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. And that is what I recommend such a person to do. Like, hey, like, yes, do it. Um, that's the highest quality type of care you can get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but sadly enough, the majority of society is not that well off and does not have that option. A lot of people are, are stuck on wait lists. And in a way, those are even the fortunate because they have health insurance that pays for it. Um, and they have the ability to go to the therapist in the first place to, to make that space in their schedule. And then what we what we see a lot is there's just such a huge part of the population who might not even have the insurance mm-hmm. or they can have some of the benefits maybe through their insur- insurance, but the copay is still very high. That's money that could have gone to food or they just cannot take the time off of work. They're working two jobs, three jobs, um, yeah. and they just don't have the time to travel somewhere or even to get on a Zoom call. Like even that just like, well, yeah. it's an entire yeah. hour. Like um, it needs to be during business hours. Like, yeah, that's not really going to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think this ties into a little bit of the the X2 foundation that you're that you set up and you're involved with as well, right? So we're talking about people maybe in the West that don't have necessarily that much time um, to initiate with uh, with an AI a mental health chatbot. But I think some of the work that you've done uh, that I was able to see, I mean, this is places all over the world where people wouldn't have any kind of access to this um, if it wasn't for the kind of support uh, that you guys are doing. Could you maybe touch on that a little bit? Because I think it's quite uh, it's quite interesting, but maybe also quite relevant to, you know, having um, uh, the world a little bit more at a higher level when it comes to uh, mental health, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, we operate mainly within the, the, the confines of the United States and like trying to like help out there wherever mm-hmm. we can. Um, we actually have quite a few like worldwide projects going on that like <laughs> still, even though we have that focus. Um, but one of those is uh, with the Deepak Chopra mm-hmm. Foundation. And um, the really exciting thing there was that he said, like, I just want to help as many people as possible all over the world. How can we do that? And so there what we, what we said, I was like, okay, well, it started during um, National Suicide uh, Week, actually, um, or Worldwide Suicide Week. And um, he, he works with someone called Gabrielle Wright. Um, she's an actress. And um, she unfortunately um, lost her sister to suicide. And her sister's nickname um, was Pee Wee. And okay. in that way, they dedicated 
the, their custom version of our chatbot to Peewee. Mm. Um, and in that way, they, they created that, that custom version. Um, and then they had this whole campaign. Uh, it was called um, neveralone.love. That's the, the web address. Um, and that's where people can actually sign up and try out Peewee. And um, they recently published an article in the uh, San Francisco um, Chronicle or SF Gate, um, I believe. Um, and back then the results were um, that 89,000 people um, had received support and okay. that um, three and a half thousand people who were experiencing suicidal thoughts um, were able to de-escalate um, mm. their, their um, conversations. That's pretty powerful when somebody might be thinking that AI um, in any case, in any scenario, in any application might not actually bring about a real world change, but that's, that's some clear evidence that it, that it actually does. Um, and, and this was, was this, uh, were they in specific countries or was it uh, kind of all over pieced, pieced together in the, in the places that the bot was used? Yeah, that was an exciting thing to see that it was really worldwide, okay. like really yeah. like, like every country and like even um, things that people might not um, expect at first, but um, we even saw like in rural Africa, um, a lot of people mm. sign up and for them, like um, ma the main way they signed up was through Facebook Messenger. Okay. And for them, like they, they have internet on their phone um, and sending messages back and forth is not going to cost a lot of data. Um, mm. But it is suddenly like um, content that has been written by psychologists in the United States, um, which like, yeah, that's like very high, the, the highest quality you yep, can get. Yep, yep. Um, and then suddenly like in rural Africa, you get access to that. Like that's, that's phenomenal. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Really, really. It's, it's almost like um, you're decentralizing a lot of the kind of the, the top tier information to the rest of the world, which I, I guess is one of the things that um, uh, the internet has, has been known for, but now it's coming in a more uh, very personalized manner through these, through these AI chatbots. That's very exciting. Um, were there any other kind of uh, benefits that, uh, that you've experienced either in the West or throughout the world? I mean, the, the de-escalation of suicide, I think, is probably one of the most powerful things. But have you seen people like have reduced anxiety or uh, some of the other kind of mental health benefits from, from using just the, just the AI chatbot? Yeah, I think because it's such an important topic, it's, it's worth kind of diving deeper mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. like the, the suicide handling. Sure. Um, because... In the end, it's, it's evidently clear that the best person to handle with someone who's in crisis or in, in a suicidal crisis um, is a person, like a trained professional, like a crisis counselor. Um, and that's why we, we acknowledge that. And we say like, okay, as soon as we de like detect that there's something wrong, we will loop in that, that counselor. Right. And that counselor will read the conversation and say like, hey, I'm going to take over now, etc. What is really important to realize is that um, the thing that Tess does, or, or Peewee in this case, is being there when the person might not have reached out to the crisis counselor. Because um, in, right. in many countries, there is a crisis line, a national crisis line available. Um, like people can call like 911 uh, in the US, but there's also like a national suicide line. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it's staffed with free counselors who, who will help you de-escalate a suicide situation. Um, so, so it is definitely available, um, but there's always kind of this hurdle of reaching out. Like when, when you are in that state, when you are feeling very down, when you are having a very hard time, 
it's very difficult to go and say, yes, I'll reach yeah. out to this phone number. Um, but if you are in that state and suddenly you get a text message and the text message is saying something like, um, hey there, how, how, how's it going? Um, yeah. I know um, everyone has ups and downs. I'm here for you. Then suddenly it's like, oh, that's much easier to reply to. <laughs> and like, oh, that message, like just reading that some someone or something is there to talk with me like that's that's already nice um and then in that way it's it's really like um in summary it's like tess is there whenever any other service would not be there mm -hmm. so that at least we catch it at least we detect it and then we can hand it over to the professionals yeah it really sounds like it's uh reducing the barriers of entry to start yeah. your kind of mental health healing healing process um and then of course the potential for scaling this up is phenomenal compared to you know having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with somebody yeah very interesting um so i mean we're still in this in this pandemic uh that seems to be going on forever um i'm assuming that you also saw an increase in usage throughout the pandemic uh, could you i don't know if you have specific numbers on that or if there was a change in the type of questions and and conversations that were that were happening um could you touch on that because i think that's all that's quite interesting yeah yeah so definitely like the, um so we have like different ways we we implement our, our systems um so sometimes we might work with um an employee assistance program and they cover a couple of hundred employers mm -hmm. and all of those employees have access um, and in that case, um, there's different aggregate level reporting that we are allowed to do and that we convey in our privacy policy, um, where, for example, for um, that um, assistance program, we would let them know like, hey, these are the most common emotions that we're seeing. You might want to implement more resources helping people mm. that way. Or you might want to send out more newsletters specifically focused on social isolation because we're seeing this is a problem. Right. Um, so really, in, in that way, we're, we're trying to um, adjust to what's currently happening and also letting our partners know how to help them. Um, also, when we work with an HR department, for example, we can make sure that they um, send out the right resources or set up a webinar. Um, but we, we've definitely seen like a huge increase um, in, in people needing help and also the severity to which they need help. Um, so this this ties into a lot of like how we look at outcomes. So we started out as a research firm and then only because our research project was such a success with, with one of the, the bigger research partners, they said like, hey, we want to roll this out for all of our 240,000 patients. Um, what's it going to cost? Mm -hmm. We're like, well, we have to set up a company first. <laughs> um, so that was really like the very early beginnings, uh, very like kind of relatively small implementation. Um, compared to what we do today, but um, that was really um, the point that we saw like, hey, this is, there, there's really a need for this, but also we always continued to do the research. Yeah. So you can look on our website, um, x2ai.com slash outcomes, and we actually have posted all of the research that's published. Um, and I've already, I think there's already three more papers that have been published uh, because we make sure we always work with the research community. So initially we did a lot of the research in-house and helping the researchers. Mm -hmm. And now often we actually have a lot of um, partners who say like, hey, like, let's put in our privacy policy that this can be used for research purposes. 
so that people are aware of it. And then they just end up with these data sets of like a couple of million messages. <laughs> right. um, and they're like, hey, like, can we can we check the effectiveness of our system so that we can let our people know that this is really effective? Um, and that's when we work with um, either their like internal departments, research departments, or um, external research partners. And yeah, in that way, it's also like nowadays, um, if there are researchers who are interested, like we actually have a lot of openings, so to say, <laughs> of like data sets that are looking for a researcher <laughs> to publish okay, the results. Okay. Interesting. Um, so yeah, we, we try to be very open like that, like as, as like, yeah, like I think the more research that comes out about this, the more people have faith in mm -hmm. it being safe and it being helpful and really like looking at the, the decrease in, in symptoms. And in that way, I think for the industry as a whole, more people will just embrace it and get more help. Yeah, I was, I was actually looking at that uh, before the conversation. Um, and I know that you have a couple like uh, stats up there that, that, I mean, for me, it sounded like, wow, this is, this is actually very beneficial for people that are using it. Um, could you maybe touch on some of the maybe more interesting aspects to make it a little bit more tangible for, for anybody listening? Yeah. Yeah, so one, one big problem that we are seeing today in healthcare is that people who are supposed to have access because they have the healthcare insurance and are paying their premiums mm -hmm. do not get access because they're stuck on the waiting list. And that's really like a piece where we believe it's very valuable that we can help people. Um, and in that way, we actually see that um, what we do is we, we start the conversations with a screening, like a depression screening or an anxiety screening. Okay. And we use the same one that will be used in the intake process. Um, and that way we have a baseline, just like your doctor at your um, like local branch would. And then a couple of weeks later or months later, depending on the severity of their symptoms, we check in again and we do the exact same survey again, um, which is the same way a lot of health systems do this um, to look at like, was this a successful treatment? Should we provide more sessions or has this person decreased their symptoms enough that it's now fine um, to let, let them go off on their own and they can keep practicing what they learned and they'll, they'll get back fully on their feet. So that's the methodology we use in our research to look at effectiveness. Um, and yeah, in, in that way, the, the, the really exciting thing is that we just see that so many people who are on the wait list, they actually have enough symptom remission um, by 50%, which is usually kind of the gold standard that's used in, in therapy to say, or in coaching, like, hey, if, you if you're 50%, um, have a 50% reduction in your symptoms, then you're good to go again and you can, you can um, be on your own again. So, so in that way, like, it's really exciting to see where a lot of people who are on the wait list um, can actually help themselves through self-help. Um, and then what we do is we make this self-help just more engaging because it's a chat experience yeah. and that way they manage to help themselves reduce their symptoms, feel better again. And then they don't even have to see someone anymore um, and don't have to be on the wait list anymore. And then they open up a spot on the wait list for someone who has issues that is, cannot be helped with self-help and really needs to talk to a therapist sooner. Right. Right. So I, I think you just touched on um, something that's super interesting and also probably the most relevant aspect for this podcast for the theme of the podcast which is kind of the automation of work right which we talked about a little bit before the recording um i think we've touched on it a little bit or at least you you mentioned you know some of the potential aspects but if if um if i'm putting myself in the shoes of a listener i'm hearing okay these 
uh, this test AI chatbot is able to reduce 50% or I'm assuming more in certain cases, the kind of mental anxiety or, or issues that somebody is having simply through a conversation over, over text or over messenger. Um, what is there left for the psychologist, for the therapist, for the counselor to do now? Um, and then we can touch on it in the next couple of years, 10 years or something like that after. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the way currently the, the healthcare system is organized is that there's different levels of severity of someone's symptoms. Mm -hmm. And in that way, there's different levels of people who will um, help. So if someone has um, a very severe disorder, um, if they have maybe like severe schizophrenia, um, then they, they will most likely talk to a psychiatrist. And um, if someone has um, mild um, anxiety, then it might be um, sufficient to talk to a coach or a social worker. Mm -hmm. And so in, in that way, there's different levels of issues that are paired with different professionals who can help those people. Um, so in that way, the way we really look at it is that um, as we've always done that, that we have these different levels of severity, different levels of capability of handling people's emotions and handling people's symptoms and reducing them in that same way, TESS is simply another addition mm -hmm. to that, that, that same hierarchy. And TESS is simply there to be able to help a certain group of people very well. And that allows then the other um, professionals that are helping other types of people um, to have more time to help right. those people. Right. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So it's kind of like unburdening many of the professionals that need to deal with the, with the more severe cases. Um, super clear. I, I have, a, I have a couple of friends that are actually counselors, so I'm sure that they're happy to hear. <laughs> they're happy to hear that. Um, but as I like to do in the, in the podcast, maybe we can look a couple of years ahead from us, right? So as the capabilities and the comprehension of tests and other uh, AI chatbots that focus on mental health improves, right? Through the through the active training that's being done. Do you see that this kind of lower level, if you will, of, of capabilities will increase as time goes on? Um, I, I don't know if there'll ever be a point where you can touch on like the highest level of mental health professionals, but do you see that maybe, you know, it might go up one or two rungs on this ladder of, uh, of professional support? Yeah, those are very important conversations to have. And mm -hmm. um, we have a group of people that actually helps us think through these things. Okay. Um, so when we have certain issues like this, that we're like, hmm, is this, is this an issue? Or like, do we need to handle this differently? Or um, then, yeah, we have like a group of people, like um, it's our like, kind of medical ethical board um, that kind of can help us with these existential questions. Almost. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, it's very interesting because to a degree, self-help, um, has been around forever. And what we're doing is making sure that self-help is more interesting, more motivating, um, easier, it's more engaging. And in that way, um, yeah, it, it just gets better. And, and to a big degree, what I've noticed myself as a patient, when I was in therapy, um, I always had these epiphanies. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, now I get this. They're like, oh, now I get that. Or like, oh, that must might have been because of this. Um, and that was a certain style that my therapist had where, um, and like different therapists that, I, that helped me um, often like had where they were kind of guiding me and like making me have these insights. Um, 
so in that way there's really a partnership where there's the patient that needs to do some thinking and some deep mm -hmm, work mm -hmm. and then there's the counselor who's helping you and guiding you and um yeah i think that's the exciting thing looking into the future is um to a big degree there is the participation of the patient um helping themselves feel better and yeah what we're gonna see is what where are kind of the limits going to be and i always like to look at how things are currently done mm -hmm. um so currently what happens is um if you become a counselor you get your your phd or your master's degree you get your license and then education um kind of like is on pause for a little bit and you're really getting more experience by just talking to more people and like seeing what works but you're still getting guidance from someone mm -hmm. you're still getting guidance from a counselor um and um, like still you're doing revision sessions reflection sessions with other counselors other therapists to make sure you're doing the right thing and then there's uh, conferences where psychologists come together and share like hey this is a new approach it seems to be working really well like more people should try this out mm -hmm. um and so like that there's always kind of learning going on and the world is also always changing so there, there could very likely be totally new kind of um, modalities coming out, psychological right. modalities, um, different ways of helping people about anxiety related to um, medical issues such as COVID. Um, just because it's, it's like, I don't think we've ever had at such big scale, at least during my lifetime and my parents' lifetime, a pandemic that was so severely impacting people's freedom um, that um, that's something we are, we're used to. So that there mm -hmm. might even be like a whole new school of thought of like how, how people could be helped with that. And I think the exciting thing is now that that's mainly done by, by therapists. And what could happen is that um, the chatbots can become a tool to get them more data. Mm -hmm. So if they say like, oh, I think this, this, I, I have figured out this one approach that works really well. And I would wish that more people knew about it. Um, yeah, if you if you take that if you contact us, <laughs> and literally this has happened in the past. If you contact us and you say like, "Hey, I have this phenomenal way of helping people. It's been um, I've proven it myself. My colleagues have proven it. Uh, maybe there's been some papers written about it. Um, can we add this to your platform?" Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. we we of course vet the content. We make sure it's like uh, very very legit and high quality. And then and then we can start trying it out. Um, and then the exciting thing is suddenly you can try it out with like in all of these like millions of messages going in and out right right and it suddenly gets so much feedback on how well it works or doesn't work so i think that's going to be kind of the next stage where it's really an amplifier for the experts um to instead of doing one-on-one -on -one sessions or group sessions they can just mm. put their expertise in what they learned during their one-on-one -on -one sessions into the more overall system and in that way really help people at massive scale that's super interesting uh, I see that the time is winding down, but I do want to follow up on that a little bit more. So to, if I understand correctly, it really sounds like TESS could be the platform to um, implement a lot of these new kind of modalities or practices or methodologies that a lot of these uh, mental health professionals are using. Do you also see that it could be the other way around, that through the um, massive amount of messages that are happening on the TESS platform, that... Um, mental health professionals could pick up maybe new ways of, of interacting and then through, through understanding that they could implement it into their own practice, or do you only see it as kind of a, a one way way of learning? Yeah, no, that, that I think is going to be very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, that that's going to be, um, 
yeah, like from like our research background and always doing more and more research, working with the research community, like those are things we very much embrace and like we'll, um, yeah, like talk with the right experts, talk with the right clinicians and like, yeah, slowly try and like um, see if that's appropriate. And um, yeah, I think it's it's really exciting how that can be like kind of a, a two way street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the kind of classical example here is where, um, and I think it's, yeah, it might not be the strongest analogy, but there, there's there's been talk about um, within radiology um, where they use the AI system to analyze um, these scans of the lungs mm-hmm. to to look for tumors, and that um, it's ve- it's very much it was clear that they kind of hyped it too early, I think, and then they kind of had to recall a lot of it because like they kind of like over tried to overuse it. I think as an assistive tool, it's, it's very helpful where it was actually able to find tumors that a radiologist wasn't able to find and to spot. And right. um, just because it used kind of different new fresh methodology of spotting them. And that can actually teach then the radiologist like, oh, maybe also look for that type of structure because um, you will might be able to find more of it. Yeah, that, that's super interesting if, um, if that can be then applied to these uh, mental health t- chatbots and tests in particular. Um, I think it's a very interesting future where, you know, we'll be learning from AI to a certain extent, um, rather than, you know, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of these uh, counselors and therapists and psychologists feeding information and new uh, modalities of, of practicing with people into the, into the AI. Uh, that, that two-way street, I think, would be, would be very interesting to see in the future. Yeah, and I think as well, like, exciting things to think about is um, as an industry as a whole, like a lot of our, our focus has been on symptom remission mm-hmm. um, and that it even gets as clear as like, okay, how can we get 50% of the symptoms down? And at that point, treatment is done. Mm-hmm. Like that's in, in, a, in a nutshell, like how a lot of these processes work. And the exciting thing I think that might happen is as more and more of kind of the pressure on the system um, gets relieved, Mm-hmm. and this wait list becomes shorter, um, there might be more and more of an opportunity to be less strict about it and to say like, well, why would we aim for 50% reduction? Why don't we aim for mm-hmm. that as the first stage? And as the second stage, like, let's make sure you become the best version of yourself. Let's see like, okay, you're, you're now feeling good. You're now not held back anymore by anxiety or by depression or by anything else. Um, what is the next thing you want to work on in life? What, what are your goals in life? Like, mm. um, what were your dreams when you were a kid? Um, let's see if we can do some coaching to like, um, if your dream was to become a pilot and um, you're, you're in a later stage in your career, okay, maybe it's too late to become a commercial pilot. However, perhaps it's possible to, to become still a pilot of like smaller aircraft. Yeah. Um, so that way, just really like moving from like the focus on the symptoms to becoming the best version of yourself. That's fascinating. And AI would be able to help many millions of people, right? Do this at scale. Um, but yeah. yeah, rather than just uh, reducing the negatives, you could increase kind of the overall positive of the, of the human race. I think that's, I think that's a fascinating idea. So, so you would definitely be in the camp of AI is going to be benefiting the world <laughs> compared to the other camp where AI is going to be a kind of a net harm. As, as long as it's kept on a leash. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> and, perfect. And, and we, we handle things in the right way. We um, So we also published an ethical paper on kind of our standards on how we kind of approach this whole um, trajectory. And yeah, it, it is going to be, 
um, the hope is that it's more and more predictable how it's going to develop, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you don't know because it's 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 either relatively close or very far off. But it's it's just very hard to predict these things. Yeah. And so I think the most important thing is just to stay very diligent and to really have times for reflection and like make sure everything's within ethical frameworks and make sure that the impact is is right. And then yeah, there's even a whole new podcast we can record about what is right <laughs> and what's the right way of going about things. Um, I would suggest as a starting point, you can start reading our ethical paper. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> but that's our beliefs on what was the right way of going about this. Well, maybe, maybe that's a perfect place to uh, to end this very interesting discussion. I think it gives kind of a, a solid bite into the world of uh, AI um, supported mental health. Uh, so, so thank you very much for that. And yeah, I'll definitely have to have you back on the podcast and maybe we can dive deeper into the, into the ethical, um, concerns that, that, uh, that this raises. So thank you very much. Um, I will of course have your website, uh, and I think you mentioned the impacts and the outcomes, uh, links. So I'll definitely have those in the show notes. Um, is there a preferred way for people to contact you or reach out to you? I'm assuming LinkedIn or, or some other way. Yeah, yeah. So LinkedIn is very good. And then the other way um, would be actually surprisingly enough, um, info at x2ai.com. Okay. Um, I believe that's the same way where, where we got connected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that actually makes sure that like, yeah, people, multiple people look at that inbox and that, that way, like it's really made sure that you will get a reply. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And yeah, that, that's probably the, the best way next to LinkedIn. Um, or yeah, maybe um, Twitter is another place. Okay. Yeah. Terrific. Well, I'll I'll have all those links uh, up in the show notes. Um, yeah, I, I can't I can't thank you enough. I think it was uh, very interesting, and also for me, kind of one of the first times that I bit into the the uh, realm of AI and how it's going to be impacting mental health for the for the good uh, now and in the future. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, is there any kind of final message that you want to leave with uh, with the audience before before we end? Uh, well, I want to yeah thank you for this this opportunity. I'm always happy to talk more about what I've learned over the years. Mm -hmm, uh, it's mm -hmm. been many years of very hard work, and um, yeah, hoping to help many more people. And yeah, also through our foundation, we we try to like give as many people access as possible. So if there are people who are researchers who who are interested in in working with us, um, looking at some of that data, make publications out of it, very much appreciated. And if there's people who say like, hey, I have this wonderful nonprofit, we want to give more people access, then they should definitely email us because our nonprofit will be able to give their nonprofit um, access in that way. Perfect. Well, uh, that's a great way to end. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for coming on to the Automated Podcast. And uh, we'll have to be in touch with you to, to get you back on at some point in the future. Sounds like a plan. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast and the conversations here, the best way to do this is to go onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review as it helps the algorithm to reach out to new listeners and brings the show to them. Also, feel free to check out the website, automatedpodcast.org, where you can find the show notes for each episode, written articles on the themes of the podcast, and a library of resources on the topic of emerging tech and automation. Also, if you want to reach out and leave any feedback or you have any questions about the podcast or any of the conversations, there are general contact links such as email, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. for you there on the website. 
And finally, for those of you that want more than just an audio conversation, the video recordings are now going to be up on YouTube for the newer conversations. So feel free to check out the videos by searching for Automated Podcast on YouTube, where, of course, you can like and subscribe if you prefer to support the podcast that way. The Automated Podcast.